Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Evil Dead Rise. Joining me today, we just had to pull him off his DJ turntables. It's Gage Eggleston. Gage, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me back, Josh. And also joining us, we had to entice him to come by offering him a snack of a nicely polished wine glass. It's Daniel Lima. Daniel, how's it going? I went down swimmingly. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yes, I'm uh, very excited to uh, reconvene Daniel and Gage, who uh, joined me for a few horror movies in the last year. And I think this one shares a little bit of DNA with some of them. But uh, Evil Dead Rise, though, shares the most DNA with the Evil Dead franchise, which, you know, uh, dates back to the early 80s. And they've inter- intermittently uh, released various movies with the last one, though, being all, honestly coming back in 2013. So it's interesting timing that they uh, just did another one. But, you know, Evil Dead Rise is like... A little bit different, at least from the two I've seen, because I've not seen all the ones in the franchise. I just saw the first two. But here we pick up and we think we're going to be in another Cabin in the Woods movie. And we see some stuff going on there and some possessing as it tends to happen in these movies of a couple people that are vacationing on a cabin on a lake. But then we jump back to like a, a ramshackle uh, apartment in Los Angeles that is uh, basically in a condemned building. We meet uh, we meet a family of a single mom named uh, Ellie, played by Alyssa Sutherland, and her three kids, Danny, Bridget, and Cassie. Uh, Danny and Bridget are teenagers. Cassie's a somewhat of a preteen, I guess, eight, nine, ten years old. They're going through going through it a little bit as a family. Their dad walked out last year. Uh, their aunt, uh, Ellie's little sister Beth, who kind of just lives a more freewheeling childless lifestyle like you know around the music industry uh just returns all of a sudden on the worst possible night to return uh, kids wander out to get some pizza an earthquake strikes there's a hole in a parking garage and uh let's just say danny has to go down that hole and get a book he probably shouldn't get and you know as tends to happen when people get their hands on books they shouldn't get in these movies um some shit starts going down I, I, Daniel, I'm, I, I'll start with you, I guess, because I was curious. I mean, I know both you guys are pretty well-versed in horror, especially compared to me, but it seems like you actually went on a little bit more of a journey with the Evil Dead movies uh, relatively recently, and uh, maybe, they're, I don't know if they're a little bit of a blind spot for you or whatnot, but this is not one that you have as deep of a history with. I'm wondering, what was it like for you going back and like familiarizing yourself with this franchise over the last uh, few months, and how do you think Evil Dead Rise did as like a kind of a continuation of this franchise, but that seems to like actually have its own ideas of like how to kind of put a fresh spin on things. Uh, well, actually, I have not seen all the Evil Dead series. Oh, okay. I saw the first one years and years ago. Uh, wasn't a huge fan, respected it for its gumption. You know, it mm-hmm. was uh, very much like a backyard movie made by Sam Raimi with like his friends and a couple of shoestrings. When you he know? was like 22 years old, basically. Yeah, crazy when you think about it. Like, you know, he, when I read these stories about like, you know, he created his own dolly shots by like just putting a bunch of Vaseline on like uh, picnic mm-hmm. tables and just sliding the camera along, like, you know, impressive. Um, but beyond that, I had seen like the first season of the Evil Dead TV show, uh, which apparently this shares a lot of the DNA with, um, like the cinematographer is the same guy, apparently. And I, I had only seen Evil Dead 2, like right before I went into the theater to see Evil Dead Rise. Hmm. And then I saw the remake, I think the day after. I have still not seen Army of Darkness. So not not it's not like a touchstone for me necessarily, but I have a lot of you know respect for it and Raimi and Raimi's style and brand of horror. And um Evil Dead Rise, I was far more mixed on. I think that it lacks a lot of the things that I want out of an Evil Dead movie, and it doesn't even go as far in kind of creating a a niche for itself as the 2013 reboot. 
Gage, Dan, Daniel made a comment there about like how it, it had some of what he wants to get out of an Evil Dead movie, but not everything. I'm wondering when, as someone that I'm guessing maybe seen a few more of these than either of us have, what are you what are you hoping to get out of when you go to see an Evil Dead movie? Yeah, uh, I, I love all the Evil Dead movies. Okay. I've seen uh, some of the television show as well. Mm. Um, I'd say Evil Dead is probably the single most consistent horror franchise. I mean, you got you got four now five movies and a TV show, and they're all varying levels of, of good. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so it's not exactly prestigious, but um, Evil Dead Rise I did think had a lot to live up to. Um, and mostly what I'm looking for out of a Sam Raimi list, Bruce Campbell list, evil dead <laughs> movie is just something with visual ingenuity, something that has like a, a playful camera, uh, some interesting, you know, uh, gore effects, of course, something maybe with a, a little bit of a sense of humor, um, and mostly intensity, uh, which is really where this movie came up short for me. It it almost feels absurd to say that this movie lacks intensity, considering you know the the level of the violence inside it. But uh, it, it was mostly, and, and we could talk more about this. Evil Dead has always had a relentless feel to it, where things uh, blow up very fast and mm. the tension is sustained for a very long time. Mm. Um, and that that's really where this movie kind of fell apart is its inability to, uh, to, to keep it going for the duration of the movie. Interesting. Yeah. So I, re- I, re- I read, Dan- I read Daniel's letterbox review of it, which I don't always do before you record Daniel, but I, I was just kind of curious. Cause I, I, I just wanted to look at, look at something to read. Cause I just hadn't had a lot of time to see many other people's thoughts on the movie. And I think you kind of, I, I, from what I gather, you kind of agree with Gage on that to a certain extent. And my thing is like, as I've become more of an appreciator of horror films, just in the seven, eight years I've been doing movie podcasting, I've like, one thing I've like come to appreciate is when movies like horror movies have a slower start and when they kind of like establish the world and the stakes and what, what these people have to lose and all that. And like, and, and just take their time getting to the intense stuff. But I freaking loved evil dead too. And that movie is just like batshit, like right from the beginning. So, you know, on, on the, so I'm, I'm kind of like of two minds about like what I want to get when I go to a horror movie, when I already have this point of reference for this one, I guess I had a similar experience to you in that like evil dead two is like the last one of these I watched, like right before I went into this. And also at the same time, like what, what I do like about what I did like about those first two movies overall. And this one too, is that like, it does hint at like some lore and like every time they play these, these, these discs and like what happened at this place long ago and what is in this book. And, but at the same time, like you don't really have to like pay attention to that stuff either. It's like you you can be entertained without like getting without like trying to like, you know, uh, think too hard about like what it means when these things get possessed. You can just be like, all right, this the spirit is possessing people. And now you're going to watch it like wreak havoc and say disturbing things. And that is fun. And like, I, th- I think it executes that better than like, say, like what we talked about with um, Pope's Exorcist, which like again, I think I, I think I was, we, we disagreed on that a little bit where it was like, Hey, I could have, you're like, I could have used more of the war. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Just like, let me show me cool shit. And I, and I think the evil for, that, I, like, I, for that one, I, I want to clarify that for me, lower includes showing you cool shit. Okay, sure. <laughs> Getting but into like, the weeds about the, the, that kind of, you know, I don't need a damn history lesson about like the, the, the like about the crusades and stuff. I, I just, I just didn't need it, you know? And mm. I, and here it's like, yeah, we're going to talk about what these priests were doing or whatever. And the, under the, at, at, at the side of this bank or whatever, but I'm like, all right, I mean, it's fine. Like I get it, but like, it's just keep it moving. But like, at the same time, like I thought this movie maybe struggled a little bit more than some of its predecessors in like being able to like get past those moments. And it did feel like it, it, the movie came to a stop at a lot of different points. Yeah, no, like that is, I think the biggest 
most glaring flaw about the movie. So, you know, you have that opening scene, which, you know, it's good. It's fun. You know, it's it feels a little diet rainy. And then you get like, I think, 30 minutes of just building up this family. And I won't maybe this isn't true for others. I did not give a a damn about any of these people. (laughs) Uh, Maybe it's because that horror movie thing where like you just know that they're all doomed from the jump, especially in a franchise like Evil Dead, you know, Um, but I just like I they were all marked for death and you're just waiting for the moment things start to pop off. You know why you're here. Um, I think with Evil Dead 2, I mean, there is that that knowledge. Sam Raimi knows why you're here, you know, and he's going to just start things off with a bang and keep up that momentum. And this one, it took its... And I should say here that um, as much as we're talking about the Evil Dead series, and of course, this this is an Evil Dead movie, it's also, it's also Demons 3. <laughs> um, so to clarify, Demons was a couple, a, a pair of films uh, by Lamberto Bava, uh, made in the, I think, 1980s in Italy. Uh, Lamberto Bava being Mario Bava's son, famous horror director. These were two movies where uh, a bunch of people are caught in one solitary location and a demonic outbreak happens, very similar to Deadites, you know, and they just try to survive it. The first film takes place in a movie theater, but the second one takes place in a dilapidated, condemned apartment building exactly like this there are visual references to the movie at various points of evil dead rise including especially like that uh that's that moment where the uh, little girl is opening the door that's a movie that also actually takes i forgot about this it takes like a half hour for things to get started but once it does it is just bonkers gonzo horror action for the next hour of movie here the stuff kicks off and you'll get like a moment where it's like, oh, wow, this is just as crazy as anything else I've seen in this series. This does feel in this moment like an Evil Dead film. And then the film kind of wanes and it just goes back into being like a a sort of like domestic drama almost. And it can never, it never keeps the momentum that it starts to build like the other Evil Dead movies, even the atypical 2013 reboot. So it was a very frustrating experience for me as many times as I found myself cheering and laughing, I would then immediately find myself just wanting to check the time. Gage, did you care about any of these people? Uh, I cared about them more than the characters in the 2013 evil dead remake. I, I, it's been a while since I've seen that movie, but I do remember feeling like everyone in it was just kind of vapid and flat and it was just kind of treading water whenever there wasn't like extreme violence on the screen. I'll confirm that. I'll confirm (laughs) that. I saw that movie. Yeah. This one, I cared a little bit more, you know, there's more going on. I feel like thematically and character wise with this one than in the remake a little bit more. I liked the child actors. I thought they all did a good job. Um, But the main problem is that it devotes more time to them. You know, like Dan said, I'm okay with this slow start. I'm okay setting up the dominoes to knock them all down later. But the problem is whenever this movie like starts to pop off, it feels the need to, to pull back. Uh, Like there's so many scenes where like, you know, family turning against family, you're, you're stabbing your sister with a knife. 
but they they it's just like one stab and then you you have the what have i done moment and you're you're crawling away from the body and then someone's whispering in your ear oh it's okay you did what you had to do we're going to figure out how to fix this it it's it's like stop and go traffic the movie never really finds a moment to fully take off like a rocket ship until I suppose they get into that elevator and go down to the basement and it's filling up with blood, which is a great set piece. But uh, that's really the only time that the movie kind of finds its stride. The, in the final like, 15 minutes or so. So like, so I guess the, the, uh, the teenage daughter character, uh, her, her name is, uh, it's Brooke, right? Or no, it's a uh, shoot. No, I'm getting, no, Beth, no shoot. Bridget got news B name. Uh, it, so there's a moment with, with the teenage daughter character Bridget where it's like you do like all of a sudden like you see that she's had this cut on her face and it's already been implied that like look like all you really need here is just like a little bit of a cut like that and and that'll do it. It, it almost felt like it was even like the the demons needed to inflict less of a wound on you than they even did in the earlier movies to like actually like uh, allow for the possession or whatever. And uh, then you see her like like I alluded to earlier like chewing a chewing a wine glass, which like felt pretty disturbing to me and my my audience got like a massive kick out of it. But are you guys saying like it kind of pulled the punch there like with like it could have gone further with her in that moment? Because that to me felt like a moment that like the movie like almost felt disturbing in a way it even hadn't to that point as messed up as like some of the things the mom said or did were. It's not that it pulls its punches in the actual horror moments. That's where mm -hmm. it kind of functions mm -hmm. as it ought to. But then it'll, you know, after this whole, you know, five minute set piece where like, you know, she's dragging a tree's grater on her you know aunt's leg or whatever mm -hmm. uh, then after that the movie stops the the deadites go away or are killed and then they regroup they go okay what can we do how do we get out of here hey let's mm -hmm. talk to the neighbors and like you know instead of just keeping up that energy uh you know in the same frantic way that like the uh certainly evil dead 2 does uh, and the remake, which uh, that was like Evil Dead if it was torture porn. Uh, yeah, like a torture porn. Evil Dead. Mm. But once things kick off, it stays in that mode. It's just very mean and grisly. But this one, it pulls away. It doesn't leave as much of an impression. Like the original Evil Dead, you know, because it's made by Sam Raimi, who's clearly a much better, more experienced filmmaker. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking specifically of the scene where I think the first deadite shows up. I think it's Ash's girlfriend and they lock her in the cellar and there's an extended like five or 10 minute sequence where she's like banging on the roof of the cellar and screaming and yelling and, you know, her face is contorting and it's, it's relentless and it keeps going and it keeps going. Uh, and it, it doesn't let up for a long time. And then in the 2013 remake, like the level and the intensity of the violence was so, so much higher Hmm. Uh, that it, it made its own impression. It, it kind of separated itself from the pack. Whereas this new Evil Dead Rise movie, it just kind of fails it, to leave an impression. It's it's middling. It's it's not as funny as any of the Evil Dead movies. It's not quite as violent as the remake. It, it doesn't have a clear identity in, in comparison. You like some of the comedy though, Daniel, right? Um, well, you said, you, said <laughs> you laughed a lot in your oh, well, I should specify I laughed because I'm a sicko, and oh. every single time that they, like, I don't know, like, like rammed a, a <laughs> spike a... through a child's face, yeah. And I will say <laughs> that, that like the fact that they actually committed to at least killing off the family, yeah. I did appreciate. Yeah. Like, so, that... like, I was gonna say, it, it did have a feeling like, oh, like, 
when it went there with the mom who like they had portrayed as like a you know a pretty like likable character for the time she was herself i was like oh like anyone could go in any moment probably i was honestly cheering for the little girl to be possessed earlier i was like i want i wanted them to go there uh yeah, same. Like, i was a little i was a little let down that they let that little girl live I was, oh, <laughs> come on you gotta draw the line you know what she should she should have fed the little girl into the wood chip right <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, so so you're saying that like when it really went for it in particular moments that elicited laughs from you more than anything else, as opposed to any kind of like genuine, like, uh, oh, this is hilarious type of movie. Yeah, it's not like, and here's the thing, Evil Dead 2, people talk about sometimes, like, it's so, so funny. Mm -hmm. And when you, when I watched it, I was like, oh, this is far more grounded than I expected. But it like gets to comedy by like accentuating the horror so mm -hmm. that like, as it keeps this sustained manic energy, you end up feeling as delirious as Bruce Campbell. Um, and then I think Army of Darkness is where he becomes like the quip heavy, like, you know. Army of Darkness, I think, will be your favorite evil. You think so? Once you see it, because it's the closest to the television show. It's the most over the top comedic slapstick kind of. And you have badass ash. Yeah, this is ash. my boomstick, all that jazz. I know. Yeah. So I, I again, I haven't seen those later things of the show, but like I kind of have an understanding of just like Ash's. uh the competence they give him in those first two movies and being able to kind of navigate the precariousness of the situations. And do you think, do you think the movie lacks something by not having someone that like is able to just like, you know, kick ass quite in that way. Whereas it's more just like kind of es escaping the situations and stabbing a thing here and stabbing a thing there, where it's not like maybe as physical in the, in, in the action, even if there is some gory action, do you see what I'm saying? It's like, you're not having someone that's maybe as a, a, a I don't know, adept of a fighter initially as like, you might seem like ashes at certain moments, but, or is it kind of like uh, the action's fine when it's there? There's just not enough. Of it. I don't think so. I, I don't think that's one of the movie's problems only because mm -hmm. first evil dead Ash is like an every man. Yeah. Know? Even uh, in the second, a little bit in the second one, you know, he, he gets a little bit more attuned. He kicks ass with one arm. He kicks ass with one arm in the second one. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Well, he but, but he gets there, right? Yeah. He doesn't start there. And then army yeah. of darkness, he, he starts there and he's yeah. just badass. Yeah. But even in the remake, like, you know, the, the main character is a drug addict. Mm. Uh, she doesn't have any notable skills or anything like that. And she, she ends up, you know, uh, spoiler alert, like chainsawing a demon in the face while it rains blood. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's, I think, one of the other things that going back, I feel like the remake does better than Evil Dead Rise is I do mm. think it had it, probably a bigger budget, or at least it felt bigger. The ending of that movie feels much, much bigger than the ending of Evil Dead Rise, which doesn't feel like a straight to streaming movie like it was intended to be until I would say the very ending where the, the budget constraints start to show. You know, this is where I think me and Gage differ. I actually uh, think that it does feel like a streaming movie uh, that just happened to be put into theaters. By the way, these movies had about the same budget, apparently. Mm, but this one of them was in 2013 money. <laughs> one of them was in 2013 money, fair enough. But I think, and this is where like, I don't I don't think this movie looks good. Like, I think that the visual language of this movie is not nearly as interesting as either the films that came before it. Well, I should say either the original trilogy or the remake or, of course, Demons 2, uh, which, you know, the, uh, the, so the first film is like this grungy do it yourself kind of style that, of course, a studio film is never going to mimic. Fully, but whatever. Um, the second one had that manic sort of, uh, it's a little more polished, but it still has that manic, zany, Looney Tunes 
Zask energy that Raimi brings to all this stuff. The remake, it still doesn't have that Raimi-esque quality. It at least offers something else, which is like a sort of torture porn to, or mid-2000s vibe, even down to the look. It nails that look. And Demons, of course, Demons 2, you know, I don't know if it took if they shot at sets or if they just found the dilapidated building in Italy, which, you know, in 1980s Italy, you could, you know, mm-hmm. like you could find a location. Well, like so that. I was going to say in a vacuum, do you like the idea of doing like a condemned building as opposed to the settings of like a cabin yeah, in the woods? I'm fine, I'm, fine with, I'm fine with taking. I've heard some people complain that it's not in a rural setting. And I don't care about that. We've, we've mm-hmm. had four movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. do something new. Do something new. But the problem is that this does to me feel like a a minor studio pro- project. Like it's too clean. It's too. It feels fake. It, it feels the build, like the it, building it, felt it, pretty it, musty to me. Uh, it felt imitation to me. Like I've hmm. seen like the grimy sort of films that this is riffing on. It's particularly, of course, Evil Dead One and Demons Two. And even like the reboot had a better sense of like place and identity and visual, a specific visual language. So that there, there, was a, there was a pretty crappy uh, apartment at the beginning of Bo is Afraid. Do you think like that was better kind of like production design for? I think so. Yeah. It? yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Although that movie is also just a lot more broad. The fact that mm-hmm. this I think that that film was more successful and it, that that dilapidated old apartment building. Um, I, I don't even know if I'm saying that word right. To dilapidated. Be honest with you. Dilapidated. OK, great. I think that with that film, the fact that that building, I thought, offered like a better sense of place than this one does. It all takes place there. Like that's a that's a problem. I I disagree with Dan specifically on the the visual side of things. Like I I do think, no, it doesn't feel like a real building. I'll agree with you there. Um, It does feel like a series of sets. Hmm. But I appreciate the way the movie looks. Um, like I said earlier, Evil Dead has always been kind of a playground for Sam Raimi and his camera. You know, it, it does lots of crazy things. It's moving in and out. It's, it's twisting Dutch angles. And uh, I, I annoyed the hell out of Dan uh, after we got out of the movie talking about this. But this movie has a ton of split diopter shots in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's laughing because he's so tired of me harping about it. No, I, I look, I, I'm fine with it. The only issue is that I, I I can never notice a split diopter shot whenever it shows no, up. I'm built different. I yeah, see him. Uh, <laughs> uh, can you explain what a split diopter is for the viewers at home? For, for those who aren't in the know, a split diopter shot is any shot where there are multiple planes of focus. So in this movie, the, uh, I guess the one that comes to mind is when she starts cooking the eggs. There's an extreme close-up on the right side of the frame uh, where you see uh, the, the woman's eye and it's in razor sharp focus. And then in the background, you can see her family staring at her as she cooks the eggs. And uh, they're also in focus. That is not possible to do with a standard camera lens without a split diopter attachment or just, you know, filming two shots and compositing them together in post. Typically, I do not like split diopter shots in movies because they're very showy. They're flashy. They take me out of the movie personally. Uh, and very rarely do you see situations that kind of call for it. But... Something about their use in this movie uh, really worked for me. I guess because mm. it's Evil Dead and because visual ingenuity is kind of the name of the game, uh, I thought it was a good addition to this movie's like cinematic language. It, it felt right at home in the Evil Dead kind of oeuvre. Daniel, did you kind of agree with Gage, though, that, um, or maybe it was you that said it, I guess, uh, that did the movie really kind of take off for you once they actually got back in that elevator? You, did you like the final act in that way? Like I said, like when, when the movie is actually operating in that horror mode, mm-hmm. it's far more successful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, in that last 
acts like it is going full on gonzo horror um i will admit that by that point i had been feeling like i've been feeling those valleys and peaks for so long even though this movie's only 80 minutes that <laughs> i was already kind of like all right i'm already kind of worn out by this and so and I, I i do appreciate the fact that you know again it w- did go gonzo credit where it's due the family cut each other up and sewed themselves <laughs> into a monster i like that and yet like i don't know it still feels a little slight um and again i'm comparing this to something like demons demons 2 where like the the, the ending i mean the whole movie is operating at the level of this third act you know, or Evil Dead too, but um, it's fine. But also, like, I think this is where it also gets like really uh, reference heavy. You know, which I I don't know how I feel about that. Like, you know, there the movie is littered with references to the other films, like a lot of like you know, Dead by Dawn, Dead by Dawn, and like you know, at the end she grabs a chainsaw and is like groovy or something. Like, you she know, never says groovy. She doesn't say groovy. <laughs> she says no. She says something else. She says like come get some or something like that. Yeah, something she, she says that. something that Ash said in mm-hmm. Evil Dead too. Yeah, like I don't know. Like I just I found it somewhat underwhelming even at the end when they're going really full out just because of the journey that it took to get there Kate said that you guys had a decently full theater uh like what, 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 what how did your audience decent because it was like a it was like a you thursday you said show. you saw it early did, did, did yeah. you, was your audience into it yeah the audience was quite into it uh, like, that's my point of reference is that like i don't even know if i like i might not have even tried to like analyze them as much as i might otherwise when i see a movie because again it was my last ever movie at my theater and like because of that i think i was just with an audience i was primed to like it not only that it was the last ever showing to start at this theater like it was like the last one of the day and it was fairly full much more so than it normally would be on a sunday night and it was just like i was just having a, i just had a fun time like i mean i i, I can still like kind of acknowledge some of the like, those issues we talked about with everything up until that point and like i certainly felt that while i was in it but like I mean, once it really got in the moments it got going and once it like got going and didn't stop, like I, I was just there for the ride with the group that was like really, really enjoying it. And, and, they, and they really enjoyed some of the other crazy moments before then too, I would say, but like we were just like all really, really into it and like just having a fun time together. And for me, it was like one of those times where it was the whole audience was, audience was on the same way, same wavelength, maybe to a lesser extent than barbarian. Cause I'm pretty sure I did talk about like having a great audience experience when I saw barbarian oh, yeah. uh, when, we, when we did that podcast. And like, there was a, I mean, we all had that same reaction when this kid has to go down into that hole at the beginning of this movie. It's like, why are you going down that hole? It's, kind of a, like a, a smaller, lesser version of like the staircase thing in Barbarian, but everyone was like, no, I think I, overall, it seems like I was maybe even a little more into it than you guys, which is just kind of funny. Cause like, I'm, I'm definitely the, 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 the least into horror generally of the three of you, but I, I just think I was able to like have a fun time. And like a lot of the, a lot of the isolated moments, wherever the, wherever the crazy shit happened and just like get, get along for the ride. Maybe I was like, kind of talking myself into liking it as I went along just cause I wanted to have a great experience for my last time there. But like I don't know, I I, I just kind of dug it. Uh, Gage, is there anything else about the movie we haven't already touched on though that you wanted to talk about? Uh, you know, I, I don't mean to come off too down on the movie mm-hmm. overall. I mean, the the saying's still true: there is no bad Evil Dead media. It's all pretty much good. I mean, this is a six out of ten movie. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I'm curious, out mm-hmm. of the movies you've seen, where does this fit on your guys's ranking? How does it fit into the Evil Dead pantheon? Oh, it's at the bottom for me. It's at the bottom for all the media. Like it's still not, still not bad. Like there's too much that I did. I mean, I did shout out in delight 
at a lot of moments. I mean, hell, that opening where like, um, I think it's referencing some other Italian horror film that I can't remember the name of, where she's on the lake and she's rising. And then you see the title card, Evil Dead Rise, come up through the tree line. That was pretty cool. You know what I mean? Mm. There are, but like those moments only only frustrate me when I think back to them. Because then I think about the, the dead space between all of these moments. I mean, pun unintended, but... Um, yeah, I just, it, it, it was ultimately a more frustrating experience than I had wanted as much as I commend the moments where it really does commit to the horror. I will say that like something I was, I, I got a shout out is the sound design. Um, mm-hmm. I think these movies, this, the, I guess this series has um, really developed its own unique identity through like just even how these deadites and mm-hmm. the ethereal sounds that the, the this, nebulous evil force makes um I, I think that it does a really good job there and uh this one continues that i'll and say that i'll also say this is one of the loudest movies i think i've ever watched with mm. one of the most aggressive sound mixes it's possible that part of it was just maybe our particular theater was playing it too loud but it didn't matter if like you know uh if there was uh, nothing jump scare with that jesus cross that attacks that kid when he's downstairs or something incredibly violent like a chainsaw going into flesh or just you know someone tripping and falling on the floor it it was all (laughs) like negative two decibels just like screeching painfully loud didn't matter what it was i will say theater 14 does do that Mm -hmm. um that's just how familiar i am with this regal that i'm (laughs) like oh yeah that that's why i like going to see a movie in theater 14 that's where i saw fall last year I mean, are you saying that as a negative or are you saying that as uh, a... I mean, it, I'm just noting it. It's, <laughs> I, I, uh, they did an interview with Lee Cronin and Fangoria where he talked about this movie. And he said specifically the sound design. He actually, uh, well, first of all, Bruce Campbell was involved in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he like came over and to New Zealand or wherever and they worked on it together. But he said he wanted it to be like an incredibly aggressive sound design where like pretty much everything is loud in the movie. There's no real dynamic range. I like that. I it, like, I mean, I, this is, you know, this is the Indian style mixing. It's because if you ever, if you see an Indian movie in theaters, pretty much they're all mixed this way. <laughs> Every single one, no matter how janky the theater you see it in is, no matter if it's a horror film or an action film or a rom-com, they're all loud as hell. I love it. I don't have a ton to compare it to though. I, seeing RRR in theaters was like was an experience that I I wasn't prepared for. Like I <laughs> I already talked about about that was before we did the podcast on it, but I had talked to you about it a decent amount before then. But I was still caught off guard by the sound there. I can't say the sound stuck with me that much from Evil Dead Rise though. To to go back to Gage's question, like I, I I've only seen three of them, and Evil Dead Two is easily like by a cut above the other two. For, for the original, I was not a fan of it. I was not a fan of like the way, because like, I mean, it's maybe not as slow as this one to start, but like it's also like takes a while compared to like Evil Dead 2 to get started. And I did not love the exposition in that one. And not even necessarily because of the fact that that was just exposition itself, but I just didn't like those actors. And I don't even blame Sam Raimi that much for it. But like, they're probably his friends. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, it's like, I, it's incredible what he accomplished at that age 
to make to make that overall thing. But like, it was very strange. Like some of those actors, and it was like not surprising when I went up and looked on the Wikipedia. Like some of them like didn't even have their own Wikipedia pages. I don't think they did a lot of acting after that. And it's like it was very strange. It's like all this really impressive like fucked up imagery is on the screen, and every time like half of these actors look at it, they have like almost no discernible reaction to it. I'm like, why 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 don't they seem as freaked out by this shit as I do? And I'm the one that knows that it's a movie, and they don't know they're in a movie. It was very strange, and I was like, I'm spending a lot of time with these really not good actors to like get all this exposition it's like i i mean and i i didn't know going into evil dead 2 that like it was just like a, a reimagining of the first one i actually just because like if you don't know anything about that stuff you can just see the two like you just think it's going to be a sequel so it was weird watching two not understanding like wait like for the first 15 minutes what what was going on and how it was like oh no this like, is wait, kind of ash is going back to like happen again with, with that girlfriend who like got possessed and died like what what, what is going on and uh, so it, did a soft reboot on his own movie love it yeah no, I, no, I, I, mean, no, I can I, do it better this time <laughs> uh, which is actually what um what's his name did michael mann did for heat uh the first his first uh take on that script was la takedown which was a oh. tv movie from 1989 which oh. was terrible uh <laughs> it, it turns out that for that script you really do need al pacino and robert de niro and not just two guys you know <laughs> I guess I would say though, like once the once the first one got going, like I I I, re- I, I did enjoy it. I just did not like the beginning. Like I the, I like I, I probably disliked the beginning of the first more than I disliked anything uh, in Evil Dead Rise. But like I think it was just more consistent once it got off the ground compared to Evil Dead Rise, which like we've all like we've already kind of discussed the length was j- just a little stop and go. But like I I, I tend to like agree with Gage. I, I don't wholly dislike any of these it's just i can nitpick the first one and this one a little bit more than i can with the second which i think is like really really like strong wire to wire um yeah daniel any other final thoughts on evil dead rise before we wrap up um disappointing but you know still not not outright bad i could understand somebody really digging well no i can't but you know good on you if you do oh Um, i have a question actually for i meant to ask you guys like did you think it needed the this the stinger and the uh like the 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 beginning and end parts do you think it needed that it felt obligatory you you gotta connect this to the evil dead franchise somehow i mean it it doesn't really bother explaining like how did this book end up in the cellar it doesn't alter ultimately matter you know I mean, hold on it does explain how the book ended up in the cellar. it takes great pains in between uh, <laughs> up the horror parts may, okay explaining I, I why. guess i guess it does but it doesn't matter at all so i just kind of zoned out oh i mean I, I i tried to zone out i tried to overlook those sections but ish yeah, I, I I was just I was like waiting for it to tie back in for so much of the movie, and then at the end I was like, oh, I, I see where we're probably going with this now. And it's like I think it would have been fine without him. It wasn't like bad, but I was just like, like Gage said, it felt just kind of like obligatory. Like, oh, we got to do this to like remind you that like we're still like this thing. We can still have the spirits possessing the people in the woods. But it was like I think it's fine to just like set it in this different, this totally different setting as long as it's kind of like in the spirit of the other movies, which it is, even if it's like you know uh, maybe a, a little less successful than them to some extent. I I just it it. it it did I, at the end i was like i mean it was a great moment when that chick got her scalp ripped off like as far as like the, as far as my, i mean i like that i like as, that yeah. as far as as far as my as far as my audience like getting into it and that kind of sucking everyone in initially like it was effective in, in doing it that much and like i'm like all right if you're gonna like give us like a, a memorable moment like that then like that's worth something it just like didn't really seem as um essential to the narrative as it, it, it really could have and you know if you're gonna have some digression like that that on two as as part of like the beginning and to go out on with your movie like it might i just think like maybe you can do a little better you know that's 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 all i'd say to that um but yeah i don't i don't really have like 
I don't, I don't, I don't really have any other, any other thoughts myself on this. Like I, 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 I still kind of like recommend people see it. I think it's cool. It's doing as well as it is when it's like, yeah, it's a franchise thing, but it's a franchise thing that hasn't been around for 10 years. It's, it's cool. People are seeing it. And I think it's still pretty well executed on the whole, even if I can pick apart these, um, there's, there's, there's issues with the, with, with the story a little bit. I, I, and I just, overall, I just kind of wish I, I don't know. I wish they had cut down on the family stuff. It, it's like for as much time as they spent with it, I, I like we we didn't even talk at all really about that sister. It's like it's just like you know if they're going to spend as oh, much I, time. I, on- I, I will say she's really good. The actress herself is yeah, she, that she, that's one performance that I really do commend. She's yeah. good. It's just like it's just weird that it's like it's like a ninety minute movie and it feels like it spends so much time on that stuff with with that family and I I just don't care. We we didn't even mention she was pregnant. I mean, it's like the movie obviously wants to have something on its mind about this woman that's like never really felt tied enough oh, to this. On. It's the same sort of like aliens, you know, surrogate mother shit. Like, yeah, it, you know, it, it, it's yeah. about a woman learning how to be a mother, um, which I think there there is a trend of horror to like, you know, give more agency to women, which is great. But I also feel like there's like a, 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 it, it feels almost cynical. You know, in the same way that like I see movies about that center stuff in race. And I sometimes feel like it's only cursory, like it's only a like window dressing in order to sign, kind of get points for uh, having like diversity and shit. Um, I, I feel like the same can be true when uh, stories that are focused on women and women's issues where like they're not really getting into it like it's just kind of window dressing yeah, to spice up like a very yeah. boilerplate in this movie story. how does her experience in this movie prepare her to be a mother like what does she actually learn why why does this well you got her it well it teaches her that in the event that demons come knocking for her daughter she can kick them into a wood chipper yeah. and beat them yeah it's a good it, lesson to learn it's a lesson all mothers gotta learn and yeah. every now and then you, you might have to kill a surrogate child if it gets possessed by a demon you know, mm-hmm. so if, uh, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Funnily enough, she never actually becomes a surrogate mother to the other kids, does she? Not really. No, she doesn't really spend too much time with them. No, they don't have much of a chance. Yeah, it's... fair enough. Fair enough. But I mean, hey, she had those little moments with the uh, the little girl beforehand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So right. she was lucky. And now she is her mom. Yeah. At the end. <laughs> Hooray! it's 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 funny like we it, we're not that far removed from like talking about megan you know whereas like a surrogate mom thing it's like it's just kind of a thing these movies uh these movies go to a little bit um yeah, that's a movie with a lot on its mind <laughs> <laughs> i don't know I, i'd probably put i'd probably put megan above this uh but yeah. i uh, uh i don't want to hot on megan yeah but like i i just had, i i did say i had a little more fun and it was i mean like even if there are parts of it that you could criticize like it, it there, there there weren't it, not not much of it felt like wasted motion you know in the I way will that, say that with like. with megan there is uh they did release the unrated version which we oh, talked about yeah they did really like on peacock you can go and see it unrated and i've heard that it's markedly better okay really because yeah i've heard that it's markedly better which is what i was saying when we talked about it was that it just feels a little bit neutered in order to make the theatrical ratings, well, so. that wasn't that wasn't a criticism of me. I don't blame someone for thinking that, but I didn't feel like I was missing a lot of gore as I was watching it or anything like that. You know, no, I, I felt it. Yeah, I it was, felt the, the poison scene lacked a little bit of punch, specifically, and I mean, the, and, and the, much, the paper cutter. Yeah, pretty much every yeah. every scene where there's like a kill or violence or something, they're digitally removing practical effects. I'd be curious if there's anything added to the movie beyond like just violence. If there's like deleted scenes that. I don't 
went further. Mm. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it just added to the story somehow. Mm. I don't know about that. Yeah. Mm. All right, Daniel, anything else you've been watching recently you'd like to recommend to the listeners? Um, hmm. Well, you know, I would like to recommend like the uh, the gray, grimy, like Demons 2, especially like, you know, that's uh, what are some other grimy horror movies? Baby Blood. We both love Baby Blood. Baby Blood's beautiful. Um, and uh, as far as recent stuff, actually, just today I saw the what 1970 something French action comedy, um, A Pain in the Ass, <laughs> which was uh, Lino Ventura. And uh, some guy named Jacques Jacques Brel. He might be super duper famous, and I just don't know him. But uh, this is a film about a hitman who's going to kill like an, a witness to like a mafia trial. Mm. But the guy next to him at the hotel that he's going to take the shot tries to kill himself, and he doesn't want the cops involved. The hotel like uh, clerk guys like we got to call the cops. It's like fuck that. I'm going to take care of him. And then the whole thing, it goes from a slick French crime film in the vein of like Melville into like a zany madcap comedy where like this hitman is constantly getting thwarted by like this suicidal depressed guy who's just sad that his wife left him. And it just ramps up the zaniness until it gets into like a live action cartoon by the end. And uh, ultimately last five minutes made me cry genuine emotion so uh highly recommend a pain in the ass uh i'll let gage talk now <laughs> gage, gage anything you've been watching recently you'd like to shout out uh yeah uh so w- this podcast is being recorded on uh may 4th 2023 mm-hmm. which means uh Bo is afraid has only been in theaters for roughly two or three weeks so when you hear this it could be 2024, 2025. That means Bo is still dominating the box office. <laughs> go to your local theater and uh, go see it. And it's in its 60th week and its 70th <laughs> week. And uh, give Ari Aster your hard-earned dollars. It is the film that just, it just keeps on trucking. Keeps it's on it's, giving. It's incredible. The box office dominance and rise of of Bo is Afraid, which is currently sitting at what? $6 million? $6 million and rising. Uh, and <laughs> rising. Uh, yeah, and at, at, whenever when, whenever you do happen to make it to Bo's Afraid, even if you do only get to it in theaters in February 2025 or something, um, uh, I'm just going with this joke, even if I'm not, even if I feel like I'm missing something, uh, then you can go, then you can go listen to the podcast that I did with, uh, that I did with uh, Elijah and uh, Andrea on it. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm not recommending anything. Like I, I've like been like buried in work the last week. I haven't really watched anything, uh, anything new or any real TV that I feel the need to like give a real shout out to that I haven't already talked about. So uh, I will uh, hopefully be coming up for air from like other life things and, you know, the next couple of weeks and have more other fun stuff to recommend. Uh, but but yeah, that, that that's it. That's it for now. Uh, coming up next on the podcast, I think we're gonna probably have we'll do we'll have something on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, and uh, uh, I don't know what else is. Oh, and showing up. I'm still gonna do an episode on showing up with Ben. It's gonna happen at some point. I just haven't uh, just haven't quite uh, nailed down a time yet. So everyone has those to look forward to. I want to thank Gage and Daniel again for joining me. I look forward to ha- having them join me for something even more disturbing uh, later in the year at some point probably. Oh oh, oh you guys will be back for Maxine. I'm sure. That'll that'll come out at some point. Oh yeah, uh, yeah and yeah, so we got we got we got we got, we got to reconvene for that since you guys did Pearl, uh, and uh, yeah, so p- plenty plenty more 
uh, coming up uh, later in the year with them and uh, in the in the near future with uh, our other various guests. And uh, I, 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 I appreciate everyone for sticking with us and uh, bearing with me as I have a kind of a, a regular release schedule as I deal with my schedule and uh, having to change a light my entire lifestyle around finding a new movie theater. But uh, thank, thank everyone for listening and we will see you next time.